From the news capital of the world, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to The Daily Objective from the Ayn Rand Center UK. We've got listeners and viewers tuning in literally from all over the world uh, today and this morning, this evening in the UK. And it's somewhat of a somber moment, obvious for obvious reasons. Uh, Britain and just the, uh, uh, the world in general is mourning the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Also have plenty of time for your super chats and participation. Equal to reality, and I were already chatting about I, I thought it was God Save the Queen by The Clash. Turns out it's by The Sex Pistols. So, um, and, and we're going to get into that and so much more. But as always, we want to clarify that, although we are going to be talking about jolly old England today, this is not formally objectivism. It's not, uh, it's inspired by objectivism, but um, we are students of objectivism. And today, as I said, talking about Queen Elizabeth II. And, you know, your initial reaction to, someone who's interested in objectivism to anything to do with a monarchy is probably what you think would be discussed and discussed. And you've heard me talk about my disgust for a lot of modern day monarchs, Saudi Arabia, et cetera. Um, Ayn Rand did write, she mentioned a queen or excuse me, a king a few times. And it was often in capitalism, the unknown ideal, basically contrasting capitalism system of private property with in the pre, as she's writing here, in the pre-capitalist eras, private property existed de facto, but not de jure, i.e. by custom and sufferance, not by right or law. In law and in principle, all property belonged to the head of the tribe, the king, and was held only by his permission, which could be revoked at any time at his pleasure. The king could and did expropriate the estates of recalcitrant noblemen throughout the course of Europe's history. So that's obviously our philosophical understanding of uh, uh, a monarchy, but that's, you know, that you can't really put that in the same basket. It's a package deal, I think, to say, well, you know, Queen of England's a monarchy, uh, Saudi Arabia's a monarchy, just like the old, it, this was a modern day queen, despite the fact she was not a, a young queen. Uh, this is a queen in a Western tradition, I'll say that, not like Tamin bin Hamid al-Tanai on the left and uh, King Salman on the right of Saudi Arabia. But this is this is not the equivalent category at all. Um, Queen Elizabeth II was a stateswoman and a representative of England. And when you look back and see all the examples of her with every American president, I mean, here's going back to Eisenhower. And you know, a, a lot sticks out for me for this, but just the poise um, and the grace for, with which she presents herself. Um, the style, but um, the elegance with which she presents herself. And, you know, she's not a legislator. She's not, uh, she has no political authority. And of course, anyone who's actually from England, you know, I've always prided myself in not being interested in the crown. So I'm kind of, you know, going on what I know. So please correct me in the chat if I misspeak. But, you know, this is a woman who famously cracked up Ronald Reagan by saying, I knew that we had exported many of our traditions to the United States, but I'd not realized that weather was one of them. Um, so she she was a hostess. She was a, I think, a very dignified representative of, of England. Here's her with George Bush Sr., Bill Clinton, George Bush then Jr., and, and the Obamas most recently. The thing about the Queen, too, is, as I understand it, she was welcoming of, of the heads of state, of, um, uh, of soldiers, etc., people within Britain, and then also even celebrities. Here's her with the Spice Girls, and you can see she's delighted, and there, there's something very 
charming about that tradition from an American's perspective, because she is someone, uh, at least you, you get the impression, puts an effort into to be a representative. Here's Lady Gaga even more recently um, bowing to the queen. And, you know, I don't bow to anyone, but I think if given the opportunity, I would probably bow to the queen because it's a great honor to bow to the queen. And I don't think it's a, a mark of um, subservience at all. I think it's a, a, I would find it could be a pretty harmless tradition. And look, I've come out against the monarchy in the past. I thought William and Meghan are, I, I pro, applauded them leaving. Um, but you can only say, I think, positive things about this woman over her life and, and many of her accomplishments, given the family business that she was born into. You know, I liken I her in many ways in American speak to Uncle Sam. You know, some of you younger people might not even know who Uncle Sam is or was, but that's that, that famous recruiting poster, I guess going back to the Second World War. And this was kind of the patriotic um, soldier and caricature, if you will, of American patriotism, who's gonna get you in the army. And I actually thought it was very uh, cool and very um, impressive that Princess Elizabeth enrolled in the army during World War II and served. You know, you see her there fixing a tire or something like this. This is a woman who was certainly born into luxury and born into monarchy, but um, is, from what I read a bit about her service, you know, uh, everyone was instructed to treat her. She went under a pseudonym and everyone was instructed to treat her uh, as they would any other enrollee. Uh, uh, in, in so I, I have a lot of respect for that. Even more for this story, which I hope gets around a little bit. This is from Vox, but it's reported other places as well. Basically, it tells the time when the queen was having a, a lunch with the head of Saudi Arabia, Prince Saud and King Abdullah. And um, the queen asked uh, if she could get a tour of this. Uh, the queen asked if her royal guests would like a tour of the estate. They were all having lunch with the queen. So this party, including King Abdullah, went to get in the Land Rovers and the queen herself, it says, got in, climbed into the driver's seat and drove off. Women not al allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia. He was not used to being driven like a woman alone, like a queen. And she wasn't just driving, she was driving. So it's a really fun example of, I think her sense of humor and her willingness to be very modern day. She didn't acquiesce to you know, this king from, from the Middle East because he wasn't, you know, she, she, was gonna, she was gonna kind of put that forward and I think in a very uh, admirable and positive way. I also respect that she was a cheerleader for her country, not for blind nationalism, I believe, but for positive ideals. Um, she gave famously this question, this uh, Christmas message and you know, I didn't listen to each one in particular, but I think from what I listened to, these are thoughtful, hopeful, optimistic, non-sacred, uh, uh, you know, they're kind of secular and they're full of all the goodwill and empathy and hope um, that you, you know, you'd expect from a public leader. And not to mention many of you who didn't necessarily see her Christmas messages, this, um, the Jubilee thing with Paddington, I guess a year or two ago was, was just absolutely beautiful. It was heart-wrenching. She's got a great sense of humor. She played along quite well. I think it's probably not easy to act in front of a, a fake bear, but it was absolutely charming. 
and um, I think she always put herself forward as a as a very appropriate. I mean, I'll put it this way to our British viewers: I think she made y'all look good. You know, she was elegant, she was appropriate, she was generous, she was empathic. Now, I want to contrast that a little bit to so-called royalty here in the West. You know, in the here in America, too often we consider uh, professors to be royalty, especially at the best of the best institutions. So I want to contrast uh, Queen Elizabeth's first tweet with a tweet that just posted yesterday criticizing her death, or I guess commenting on her death. Back in 2016, the Queen's first tweet, I am most grateful for the many digital messages of goodwill I have received and would like to thank you for all your kindness. It's just, you know, very appropriate, very um, admirable. This is what a professor at Carnegie Mellon University tweeted yesterday. I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. I mean, just as ugly as childish. Oh yeah, she's a professor at Carnegie Mellon. You probably don't even have to guess what she specializes in, quoting now, critical applied linguistics, critical sociolinguistics and critical discourse studies examining race, gender, sexual and social class identities in new language learning through the multilingual journeys of African-American students. I mean, is that just a like a diarrhea of words there? I don't even know what that is, but that tweet is so cruel and she's gotten plenty of um, response to it, including Jeff Bezos, who I think has come out very strongly on a lot of great issues on Twitter lately, much more of a pro-individualistic perspective. And Jeff Bezos rightly calling her out saying, this is someone working to make the world better? I don't think so, wow. And he's absolutely right. I mean, that type of, that kind of discourse is just so devoid of ideas. And this is her response. And I don't want to delve too much into this ugliness given the, the solemn day today, but she, resp uh, she responds, Otoro Jiba Jibuji. May everyone and you, may everyone you and your merciless greed have harmed in this world remember you as fondly as I remember my colonizers. I mean, so sure, she's, you know, it's now what's amazing, I'll just say this as a side note. This woman is teaching at one of the best universities in America. She is, I'm sure, makes well into the six figures, and she's esteemed with this type of absolute disgusting ugliness and, and comparing Jeff Bezos, I mean, it's it's not even worth uh, discussing, but contrast that as a public leader with her Royal Highness, the Queen. And in case you're wondering, yes, I did Google Otoro Jibe Jubi, which translates into an Igaboo insult, wishing someone death. So, you know, these people don't deserve uh, anything. They don't deserve certainly um, a minute more of this program um, because I think they're such an ugly contrast to Queen Elizabeth and her limited role in a non-political context. She was born into the family business. She took it seriously. I think, look, she could have easily, you know, you know, I mean, she could have gone a lot of ways. She could have gone off the deep end. She did kind of addict. She could have been erratic, but she took it seriously. Thank you, Gail, for that super chat. Appreciate it. 
She did not seize property. She did not stifle speech, to my knowledge. Again, if there's UK viewers who want to correct me. And when she, so she was a queen, but she was a largely ceremonial queen. Um, she did not infringe on the, the uh, rights of her citizens. I think she would probably, um, I guess she'd probably, well, I don't want to imagine, but she took it seriously, which I appreciate, given the fact she was born into it. And more than anything, she represented the country well. I think that means a lot these days. Now, you know, look what we got over here in the U.S. We've got Marjorie Taylor Greene with the Jewish space lasers and Nancy Pelosi with all of her everything, not to mention her husband's, you know, shady trading. I mean, th these people, I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not proud that they represent the U.S., but I think Her Royal Highness, from what I understand, everyone mostly did. That's why you're seeing this outpouring of emotion. And more than anything, this queen didn't make laws restricting freedom. So we have a lot of respect for her. And um, even here, at, not even here, but here at the Ayn Rand Center UK, we are domiciled primarily in the UK. Gail, thank you. Equal to reality says Queen Elizabeth was the perfect queen. And thank you for those pounds. And we are saluting all of our viewers and all of our members in the UK today and all around the world. Um, I think we have to have, especially for our members, see our website, Ayn Rand Center UK. But, you know, for someone who uh, I think represented the United Kingdom well, was very, um, uh, uh, seemingly a great force, born into a difficult situation, but uh, I think a real great force. So we're happy to celebrate her today and thank all of you for joining us. We've got so much more coming up here on the Ayn Rand Center UK. So take this opportunity to ring the bell, subscribe. That way, every time we have a new show come on, you're going to get the alert on your phone. And there's so much here. There's Robert Nasser, there's uh, James Valiant, Don Watkins does shows, Nikos Sapirakopoulos, Raka Raka Ali. I mean, the list goes on and on, not to mention Harry Binswanger, with, which is HBTV. So um, make us part of your daily viewing diet. Thank you for all the super chats. And uh, we are wishing all of our viewers and members in the UK and the royal family as well, best premises. Be well.